Yes, hi, hello, welcome to Gooncast. I'm James, also known as Saber0307 on Twitch and on other stuff, professional hack fraud. And once again, I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts as we decide to dive into some new thingy. Hell yeah. What's up, everybody? I'm Cat Attack, a.k.a. The Attack Cat on Twitch. Dialogue designer by day. Streamer, artist, writer by night. Um, and lover of all things horror. And it's your boy Lee Alda, the Valley Jester, fantasy and horror writer. Currently uh, writing out a rough draft of my uh, tweet longer to announce my resignation from the Gooncast following this episode. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it's become a hostile workplace. Yeah. I, oh I've, yeah, I've that's taken right. Some We're canceling with our, James. With our, uh, yeah, I've, I've taken some umbrage with our uh, <laughs> our fellow goon. And um, we'd also like to introduce or welcome back onto the podcast. Yeah, this boy guy. Mike. Yeah, thank you. It's Mike, um, friend of the Goon Squad. Uh, we're here to dissect another spooky movie. Basically, an honorary spicy. goon at this point. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we're here yeah. to we're we're here to talk about candy lads and candy lasses. Indeed. The candy it's, folk. The candy folk. Yeah, so the finally candy. Finally after after months per months I dare say, not maybe maybe weeks. After months of waiting for this movie to not be exclusively in theaters, we finally got to watch 2021's Candyman. We did. And uh it's gonna be a spicy podcast, folks. We, we did. This is this is the uh, the first podcast where there's there's disagreements among the quality yep. of the film. So that should be a very yep. interesting discussion. Hence why Lee's obviously resigning, <laughs> and he's going to be starting the 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 new Goon Cast. It's it's gonna be me and Jack Lee. and Hookers. The Neo Goon Cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah just slap a and... fresh coat of paint over that shit. <laughs> Keep everything the same. And proto yeah, every, it's just it's just Lee going hi yes hi hello. <laughs> hi yes hi hello. David Lynch memes. David Lynch memes. Drakengard ill bleed. Drakengard ill bleed. I hate corpse party. <laughs> I don't even think Lee could go that far. I don't. Just, no. Like I, I think no, I think Lee's a closet corpse party fan. No, I would I would realistically uh, resign from the Goon Cast and then team up with uh, one of our associates, Niku Senpai, and start a podcast just about corpse party. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It'll be called oh, the Busty man. Waifus Cup Podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then it'll be banned because it's just talking about fucking lollies. <laughs> oh, all right. Enough ragging on Corpse Party. Let's get to why we're here. Um, yes. I guess we should start as we start with most like franchises with kind of like our histories of, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. our experiences with the Candyman franchise. Uh, I, I guess I'll go first and just say that like um, I've never read the short story it's based on or the novella, I guess. Yeah, novella. Um, but I have seen... Uh, I saw the original, obviously, and I've seen the two, I believe I've seen the two sequels to it, but I 
only vaguely remember the third one. I mostly remember the one that's in New Orleans. Um, and I personally really liked this um, reimagining. Well, I guess I'll, I'll tail uh, I'll tail on that one because I'm the other one who was not freakishly offended by the movie. <laughs> Um, but also I have the least amount of history with this franchise. I've seen Candyman, I think once, maybe pieces of it here and there since that viewing. I don't have much of uh, a stake in the franchise as much as I adore Tony Todd as a horror icon. He's so Um, good. And I'm a gigantic fan of Clive Barker's work. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not for lack of of interest, I guess, that I never really pursued the franchise. It's just one of those ones where stars didn't align. There's plenty of classics I haven't seen. And this was just one of those ones that I didn't give much time to. But I did enjoy what they did with the new 2021 version. Um, So I've seen the the original Candyman. Uh, I saw it. At first, when I was a kid, and I wasn't that big of a fan because I thought it was slow and weird because, you know, I was young and unable to mm-hmm. appreciate art. And then upon revisiting <clears throat> it later, I grew very, very attached to the film. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, sacred or anything like that, but Tony Todd has just this wonderful fucking gothic horror persona in it where it's just seductive and and mesmerizing and virginia madsen fucking kills it and the score oh yeah and and everything yeah philip glass philip glass's score uh i haven't Mm -hmm. seen the sequels i have seen a video that kind of was like joke reviewing the entire original trilogy a, a, a few weeks ago so that's about my extent about Candyman in new orleans and then Candyman in los angeles haven't read the short mm-hmm. story or novella i was going to but then i got lazy um and i was really looking forward to this film and i can say that it is a well shot mostly well acted film with a lot of style but i fucking hated it i just i i have to chuckle that you said you grew up not liking it because it was slow and weird and you had us watch all of twin peaks (laughs) hey man i saw twin peaks if i saw twin peaks as a kid i'd probably think it was slow and weird I saw it as an adult. What I could appreciate slow and weird shit. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Candyman for me, uh, it was also a uh, childhood uh, movie experience. Um, I have like a lot of memories as, as like a wee lad, like in that, in my childhood home, like being, being in the hall hallway, pretending not to be or, or uh, pretending to be asleep and like watching my mom watching horror films like oh that was like a, a huge stint of, of my like childhood you know and uh, this is one of those movies that i i kind of like snuck in at first, I remember being like so scared. <laughs> um, I've like seen it again like several times throughout my uh, life, um, but I gotta come clean in many ways here because uh, I, while I am a friend of the Goon Cast, I- I'm also not a very learned um, movie appreciator. Uh, I've seen a lot of movies, but uh, I guess if I were to compare numbers with any of you you guys that number would probably be pretty small and um i i'm also kind of guilty of appreciating the art 
more than the artists. Uh, mm-hmm. I, like I've like my brain power and those kinds of things has always gone to like remembering members of bands and stuff, not like uh, mm-hmm. producers or like directors or screen or like screenplay um writers and such you know so um i saw the saw this movie like several times throughout my life being a clive uh, being being a being a fan of clive uh um of uh, clive but um i never really put it together that uh he 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 was responsible for the already for for that og film um that that was actually a thing that uh, Saber brought to my attention a few times now. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, um, my like appreciation for the original film um, does connect to this new 2021 version in a few ways, but um, I also got to come clean that I hated this movie. <laughs> and um, I feel like... I feel like I'm going to have to ask you guys to bear with me as I eventually explain. I'm sure we're we're all going to dig in, but uh, I can definitely admit that part of my gripes with this movie are just, um, I don't know, maybe personal or like, um, Mm -hmm. or or a bit biased or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Sure. I mean, you like what you like. For sure, yeah. I, I gotta say, I've got this beautiful mental image of like if you all if you all have seen Dreamcatcher, uh, Stephen yes. King portrays people's mental capacity as a bunch of uh, file cabinets that you can store. Just you know, it, it, there's a finite amount of storage space that you can keep in there, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm imagining Mike's as just like you know file cabinet after file cabinet of like producers guitarists (laughs) keyboardists and then there's this one one little drawer off to the side that's just got bees pouring out of it (laughs) and mike's like we we don't touch that filing cabinet over there that's a candy man drawer don't you go near that candy man drawer it's very special and then also (laughs) also knowing mike there's an entire wall of uh filing cabinets that's just devoted to children on fire Oh Jesus! <laughs> the inside. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, to briefly explain, it's a silly inside joke between Saber and I that has lived for a long time. Because uh, in a in a novel that th- th- that I uh, had Saber read a draft draft of, there was um, a scene where some young folk uh, died, and he just couldn't stop. Talking about it, he couldn't stop laugh, laughing about it, and uh, it's just been been a thing. Anyway, well, I mean, isn't it's, that always know, the best? It's, it's, it's not. It, I'm just gonna say, man, it's not every day you're reading a dark fantasy novel, and it and just there's a scene of children on fire. All right, it stuck with me. It it really it, connected uh, with me on a deep personal level. Where I I still read. I still I still just want to say that if I ever am fortunate enough to, to, to become a director, I'm going to adapt your, your novel, but it's just going to be two hours of children on fire. Oh my no, God. No, no, that's going to be your little I'm flourish. Gonna that's that's going to be your little filmmaker's flourish. It's like, oh, Alfred Hitchcock has a walk-on cameo for just a few seconds in every film. It's like, if you, if you watch a James film, somewhere in the background there's a child on fire. Well, I mean, you, 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 say, you, you, you say that, you say that, but at one point, like years ago, Mike and I were collaborating on a writing project, and I gave him my draft about, like, the main character's backstory, 
and it involved and he got he was reading it and then he just starts laughing because i included children on fire just because i know it would make him laugh as oh. awful as this, this, con- this is the content like a... you come to the gooncast for folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> indeed yeah. But also, don't you just love it when you give somebody a, uh, a project of yours that you've been working really hard on and you're like, hey, can you give me some feedback? And they just make memes. <laughs> I mean, I gave them feedback. And they just, just laugh <laughs> about it in your face. I, yeah, like, oh, I liked this novel a lot. It's like, but... I mean, like, no, can you give me no, some no, advice? No, did, you, did, you feel, did you feel the pain of the protagonist in chapter three, like towards the end? <laughs> you burned the kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I've, I've definitely had moments of like, hey, I worked really hard on this. And then there's like one thing that's like off or slightly weird about it. Yeah. And then that's the thing that my friends focus on for yep. years. Mm-hmm. They're like, remember that time when you said this thing and you're in your writing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I genuinely like the scene. I just also am an yeah. asshole and I think it's funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Th- my friends as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how that goes. Yeah. All right. That's, back to the That's bees. just the way. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back to bees. bees. Um, Okay, so obviously all of us at least have a passing familiarity with the original movie. Um, so how how do we want to break this down? Do we want to just like get right into the the new movie? Do we want to like talk about the original a little bit and our feelings on that? Because I think I think everyone here um, enjoyed at least the original. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. that it's when it comes to remakes or reboots, it's always proper to kind of like establish, you know, the where it came from first. Um, but yeah, and I am I am not the expert on that topic, so I suppose quick, I'm volunteering someone else for this. <laughs> real quickly, I I I take a tiny bit of umbrage with calling this a like remake. Because it's a sequel sequel and also it it kind of to me at least I feel like it drastically alters the not genre but the tone and the yes like very much mood of the movie or of the of the of the franchise so yeah to, to me I feel like reimagining or like uh, I think um, I think Jay Bauman said it best with like Chucky, the 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 Child's Play remake. Even though I hated Child's Play and I don't agree with like them enjoying the the remake, but like that it's like almost like a cover. Yeah. I think that was Jay, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 my vibe on on the new one. I, but I, anyway, I, I back s- to the old one. I, I will say briefly on the new one, like, and this is just a general trend that I kind of fucking hate in in hollywood um or even even i guess in just media in general uh and it's the same criticism i have for halloween 2018 and the same criticism i have for the new scream movie and that's where you uh you make a sequel but it has the same title as the first but it's not a remake yes and like yes i i genuinely dislike that because it's like for like just using halloween as example we we have three movies called Halloween, one is the original, one is Rob Zombie's remake, and one is a sequel to the original. And it's like, that's, that's fucking silly. And like, this new Scream movie is a sequel to yeah. Screams 1 through 4, but it's just called Scream. And mm-hmm. this new Candyman is a sequel to uh, um, the, the, the first Candyman, but it's just called Candyman. Or like, The Thing yeah. was a prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. But 
I'd, it's just I'd like the to thing. See, yeah, I, I'd like to see a little more creativity in the titles. I mean, let's let's borrow some naming conventions from Kingdom Hearts. I need I need Candyman three fifty eight over bees gold edition. Over bees. There we go. Damn. So a fleeting the, a fleeting the, dream hook. You know, I need something. Yeah. The exact the exact right lesson to take from the Kingdom Hearts naming conventions. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That we need more of it. <laughs> so, um, Candyman, the original movie, is based off of a Clive Barker story called The Forbidden, which is part of Books of Blood, Volume 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest... I haven't read it, I just know kind of generally... It, it's It's pretty faithful outside of the major key differences being the original story is set in London... Um, and Candyman is a, a, uh, yellow, like a a waxy skinned white man. He does not have a hook for a hand. Uh, he is not summoned by the mirror. Those are, those are two things that were brought in for the, the, the film. And, and it's kind of, it's, it's own little short story within, within books of blood. And then when, Bernard Rose decided to adapt it into a film. He decided to translate, despite being a, a British man himself, he felt inappropriate to to change the setting to, at the time, contemporary Chicago in in sort of like the, the gentrified areas of, of the city and and in the the, the in Cabrini Green, change Candyman to be a, an African American. Uh, and give him a hook for a hand and allow him to be summoned from a mirror since the whole idea was kind of like the themes of like urban legends and whatnot. So he basically took the elements of like the classic urban legend of the hook and the classic urban legend of Bloody Mary and sort of merged these two together on top of Clive Barker's story in order to sort of amplify it while also kind of amplifying the, 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 the Cabrini Green housing development project compared to like the slums of London and, and make it more about race and, and gentrification and, and uh, white privilege and, and all this other fun stuff that was at least I feel, even though some elements are probably a little dated since it was made in, you know, the 1990s, early nineties holds up really, really well and is fairly nuanced and intelligent. And Tony Todd is fucking mesmerizing mm-hmm. uh as, as i mentioned earlier and and it had virginia madsen in a stellar stellar performance and just it's kind of a very haunting and slow methodical film like you don't even see tony todd's Candyman until like the 45 minute mark it's just this build up and build up yeah. and build up and like the the only real violence that you see in the movie up until that point is um, Virginia Madsen's character getting smacked on the side of the face with a hook by by a, by a bad guy, uh, like the blunt end, so she gets a black eye, and a, a flashback where uh, we 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 hear the story of how a, a a child was severely mutilated allegedly by Candyman in in sort of nearby bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. I definitely a, agree with everything that that you you said uh, as as a fan of the first film. And uh, there's um, in uh, talking about the uh, this 2021 um, 
addition uh, um, input into the the series there is there is kind of a um, divide in uh, themes that's pretty noticeable i think and um while it's definitely not um a bad way to go i i i definitely think there were some um some uh, droppings of uh, the ball uh, in the uh, um in in the first uh, film there's a uh, definitely a focus on um the the like racial as aspect of of the story and like turning turning a um turning the like concept of uh, as james said the like urban uh, myth into your your horror movie slasher you know um I feel like it was definitely well done in the in the that first film, and there are um, aspects of this new one that felt pretty cool too, in terms of um, the like the like horror film slasher. You know, I I personally am a very big fan of the um, spirit of revenge uh, concept in the stories, like. Um, uh, Stories like the uh, crow and uh, so on, yeah. you know, um, they're they're like always really fun, and I and I think the way that it happened in the original, while it involved racial injustice and murder and uh, and like re revenge, it was only a, an aspect of it. And I think one of the details of of the movie that speaks to the comparison of the two is that in the first film, the Candyman has a goal. He has a motive. You see it happen in the first scene that you see him. He um he fixates on the protagonist of of the film and every subsequential sighting of him and every murder is pretty much about her and in this new film there's definitely not that type of uh, concise uh, methodology or I, whatever you want to so you want to call it to to jump in here i think yeah. I think that kind of circles back to my point about the new movie kind of changing the tone on almost almost like a genre flip, because I feel yeah. like in some ways um, the original Candyman is more of a slasher movie because you are focused on a singular character of yeah. the Candyman. You are focused on Tony Todd as the Candyman and his very singular focus on Helen, right? Yeah. Um, but this new one, I feel like, was almost a reinvention of the character as more of a more of a uh, non-specific, like again, an urban myth, right? Um, so I think it. I think that was more of the focus of this film, where it was taking away that slasher aspect and replacing it with more of a ghost story, where yeah. where it's almost more fitting that we don't know what the goal of the Candyman is because he's this unknowable force that it, you know, takes on these masks of these different, you know, victims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is definitely true. And I think 
um, there is also a a um, pretty hard angle in the theme of this new new film in which there are, as you said, like multiple uh, of these uh, slasher characters in this story. And the just, theme uh, that... Just to interject real quick, uh, full yeah. spo- like, even though it's kind of standard at this point for Guncast, full spoilers for uh, the new spoilers. movie, by the way. Oh yes, gosh! Yes. yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely don't. I mean, I don't think there's. We haven't. We we have not yet hit on anything that I think would constitute as a spoiler. But um, and I also don't think there's anything um, as big as like m- you know malignant to spoil. Sure. Um, in terms of like twists, but yeah. yes. Yes. Good. Which good by call, the way, which by one. the way, people, we've given you plenty of time since the last fucking podcast. You get out there and you give Malignant your money. Yeah, it was great. Hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah, my, yeah. Mike wasn't on the Goon Cast, but he he watched Malignant and and he fucking. I loved it. Yeah. God. Yes. Anyway, now back, where were back we? to a thing we disagree about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the uh, the the core theme in that like separates. Uh, this new one from the first is that uh, uh, spoilers the the Candyman that that you knew from the original film is not the Candyman this film primarily follows. Um, mm-hmm. It is a new uh, character. Uh, the name was uh, Herman something. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I I got the no. It's up. the main yeah. character. Sherman. 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 Yes, Fields. yes, yes. Sherman Fields. Oh, right. the original. Right. Yes, the original. Right. Yeah. Sherman Fields. And mm-hmm. this, and while this character, like the original Candyman, was a black man murdered by racist people, mm-hmm. he, he he has in. Uh, this in this movie the like presence between the two candymen the one that that the one that you knew if you saw the first movie and and, and the one that you're you're seeing in this new one the 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 level of impact and charisma and um whatever other fancy words you would use to to describe a human being are like not there because in this movie this this candy man never never says a word and yeah. while while i understand that that does make sense in some slasher movies i feel like the theme of candy man 2021 is racial injustice it is not yeah. it is not an aspect of the movie the way that it was in the in the old uh, version of the film it's the theme of mm, yes. the film yeah. and we, we see it in multiple instances however the way it's portrayed is something that I, I feel like is like debatable on its tact okay um I I would agree with you that the the new Candyman is definitely not as charismatic as Tony Todd. Um, but uh, again, I'd circle back and say I don't think that was the point. I think they were they weren't going for replacing Tony Todd with this new guy, and I think that's I think that's made clear by the ending. Even though the yeah. ending is yeah. a bit confusing, and also I think maybe where 
even though I really like the movie, I think maybe it lost its way a tiny bit at the end. And I think we'll explain once we get there. Um, that's, but... that's one, one thing I just want to like chime in with, like with the new Candyman, like for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, and I was talking about this with Mike, like w- one of my chief problems with the new Candyman is just, it muddles the mythos slightly, just in the sense of just like, yes. like my confusion mm-hmm. of like, okay, so if you say Candyman in a mirror five times, which Candyman is coming at you? And, well, and okay, so that. Well, that actually goes I, I, yeah, yeah. I, my 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 main like point of of contention and i was discussing this with with mike and i when when we watched it uh after the three of us watched it was that a lot of it just stems from the fact that sherman fields is killed in the prologue in 1977 right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't quite think i would have had that issue if say the prologue was like a year or two after the first Candyman movie, where you have maybe a, a, a Coleman Domingo's character w- witnesses it in in the '90s as opposed to the 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 '70s, because at the fr- the end of the first Candyman, you could kind of see it as Tony Todd's myth and and legend of the Candyman being destroyed, especially since this film kind of doesn't really reference the second and third film all that much. And it kind of acts as if Candyman has been gone for the last 30 years and nobody's talked about it. Okay. So my, this is, and this is my interpretation. Um, I could very well be wrong, but again, I will reiterate. I think that the muddling of the mythos was kind of the point because I think they were going for more of that, you know, it's a purely word of mouth urban legend type story where you don't actually know kind of like, like where, like who, who Candyman actually is, right? They have all of these stories that they've attributed to him and you hear various versions, including the original Tony Todd version. Um, But, you know, like, there's no there's no real true version until you start getting to the end where it's like oh yes you are the baby from that original myth that you heard um which like i think to to answer your question about like oh which candy man are you getting when you summon him in the mirror i think part of what the movie was going for was that it depends on the myth that you've heard sure. so the um the art installation that the main character creates um, is based on the Sherman legend of the Candyman, yeah. and so therefore the majority of the movie, because essentially the this mirror there, this the, his his art piece is sort of the jumping off point to the Candyman urban legend becoming more um, more in vogue, more in the current vernacular, and then that's when the killings start happening across, that's like true. you know. The, like the the art gallery owner gets killed, the the high school girls get killed. It's like you know, but and all of them were inspired by this art piece that was inspired by the Sherman legend in Cabrini yeah. Green. There's um, a few more scenes in in the film that also serve your point point as well. Like the first time we see that uh, uh, Sherman, uh, that's for anyone who who saw the 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 first film a jarring moment like that's that's yes. not uh, the face or the myth that i know about sure. and also yes exactly there's a very cool scene uh, the uh 
the uh, shadow play uh, paper cutout. Um, oh shape. God, we and, haven't even uh, talked about that yet. Oh, no. we'll, 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 we'll get to the art direction. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But um, that's that scene as well when when. Uh, characters are told the myth in a new version mm-hmm. is also like uh, again it serves it serves your point in that um, both of these films are definitely playing with and about the concept of urban mm-hmm. folk folklore you know yeah yeah and I, there's, I think there's maybe, a new story new stories yeah and i think maybe that could have been clarified a little better in the film sure. like i think maybe yeah. they could have they could have hinted at that a little maybe have like once the main character starts hearing more of these stories after his his sherman piece has kind of taken off um maybe he starts seeing in the mirror instead of sherman one of the other myths you know oh, and and we do kind of get a hint of Ooh, that at yeah. the end with because at the very end of the movie um the one like the final shot basically is the uh, the Candyman like the bees uh, parting revealing a DH Tony Todd saying like tell, tell everyone, everyone. yeah, yeah. Um, and and so that's that I think was supposed to be our our in to say oh it's Candyman is like all of them basically yeah, exactly. or it's, every, it's just it's a it's an idea more so than an actual person and yeah I appreciate um, that a lot and I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that it's like trying to do its own thing but like. With the fact that the main character is Anthony McCoy, the baby from the first one, like, mm-hmm. his, and I mentioned it, you know, after we watched it, and I mentioned it to Mike, too, like, he has that line to his mom, I, well, I guess he found me, and it's like, it didn't have any impact for me, because it wasn't taught, mm. you know? Yes. And, for the, like, I, I thought about it after the fact, and, and this, I brought this up with, with, with Mike, uh, and I, I, I kind of hinted at it a little bit in, in, in our post viewing discussion, but I kind of mm-hmm. think that, you know, as much as I love Tony Todd, his appearance at the end, and even the fact that they announced that Tony Todd is in the movie kind of even hurt the film a little bit further for me. Cause it felt similar yes. to, it felt similar to Terminator dark fate where they were like, Hey, Edward Furlong's back. And it's just digitally de-aged Eddie <laughs> Furlong for like a minute. Yeah. And it's just like, you you sold me on something, but that's not what you gave me. Yeah. Sort of I, yes. Okay. So I am I'm kind of of two minds on that because initially I I because in our in our post discussion I remember I agreed with you that I thought I like even though I love Tony Todd and I'm so glad that you know he had some small part to play in the remake or in the gosh in the reimagining um, I I did kind of feel initially that maybe it was a little too like this feels like fan service more so than an actual plot point of the movie to have him show up now. Absolutely. Um, and now, now on a little bit more reflection and I also rewatched the movie just before this podcast to, to decide that, yes, I still like it a lot. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think the movie actually would have been better served if we had seen him, if we had seen more of him, because yeah. I think, I think that line that that well, I guess he found me. Line would have been more impactful if we had seen in the course of the main character kind of losing his mind and going further and further down this rabbit hole of who, what is the Candyman? Um, if he had started seeing other Candymen as he, you know, was yeah. was progressively getting more and more backstories, um, and eventually culminating in him seeing Tony Todd and maybe some 
maybe something clicking for him to yeah. go see his mom. Yeah, what what we have an issue with here is that Candyman is at the same time trying to be presented as two different concepts. He's 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 being presented as uh, as a force with a face, the face of Tony Todd. He is a singular being that is out for a reason. You know, he knows who this kid is. He's grown up. He's going to he's going to follow him. You know, bring chaos to his life. Whatever. He's the one victim who escaped. Right, but at the same time, Candyman is also being represented as more of like um, more of a, an all-encompassing blanketing force. He he's meant to represent the the oppression of um, of authority uh, on onto onto the impoverished. He's meant to represent like uh, the vengeance of of this poor neighborhood. And it's hard to have him be this symbol of vengeance and be this single person at the same time and not. So I agree here. Yeah. You know, they needed to commit to one side or the other. They needed to not have Tony Todd in this movie at all and have Mm -hmm. him be this this legion of of lost voices coming back to strike you know to strike down the people that oppressed them and treated them them poorly Uh or it needed to just be Candyman is this this killer this supernatural force that's a single being Mm -hmm. and it tried to do both which you know all, all devil's advocate I liked the movie but that's something they really needed to decide in the writer's room what they wanted to do definitely yeah yeah i I think i agree with that even though i for for me anyway i do think that the the kind of mixing of the two worked for me but yes i think i think given the divisiveness certainly of uh but it within our little group i think yeah maybe a little bit more of a solid idea on on how to execute that or um, at the very least how to execute that or yeah just picking a lane it, it, uh, it yeah. felt like like it, it, i noticed this too also on rewatch like like there's there's like the entire girlfriend storyline for example it it kind of feels like a dead end like outside girl, of you mean the yeah Bri- brianna um, storyline with with her the fact that her father committed suicide and her mm-hmm. her her career as like this this art gallery owner like she kind mm-hmm. of becomes almost the protagonist in the third act of the movie. Well, she has to because yeah. the protagonist goes insane. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. I'm like I, I agree with that, but like it it feels as though like her like her dad committing suicide is just there because well now Anthony's going insane and she doesn't want anything to do with like another artist going insane. Where it's like I was figuring okay maybe her dad's death is tying into the Candyman mythos or. Maybe because maybe there's going to be yeah because he was a painter or maybe there was something mm-hmm. more with like her career where like Anthony's presence is kind of impacting her career a bit more but it's like mm-hmm. we just get that scene at the gallery where it's like the 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 other lady is like oh you know we're, we'd love to have your work here etc cetera, etc cetera. and then it just kind of stops mm-hmm. and I I think that's also kind of my my thing with like the third act where it just feels really, really, really rushed. Like as much as I don't like the movie, yeah. I think yeah. the movie would have benefited by like being, I don't know, another 20 minutes longer. Just to Honestly. Yeah, probably. And, and I, like, I, yes. 
So let yeah, let's let's actually get into that third act. Although real quick, yeah. I also want to mention I want to bring up the um the bitchy white uh lady critic. The art critic. Like, yeah, yeah. She's like my favorite character. Like <laughs> sick. Because sick. she, she is, had a really good quote, yeah. She like, oh my god, just like the way she's written is so like like it's kind of unrealistic. Like I just, I, I really like the way she's written where yeah, like, yeah. like it, you're almost like, Oh my God, are you going to say something horribly racist? And then she's like, I no, hate artists. And you're yeah, like, exactly. I, oh, all right. I, I personally loved that. Okay. So <laughs> it was so funny. I kind of want to jump off of that because um, that was a really great scene. And it kind of toyed with with the viewer, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because they because um, th- there are uh, several scenes within the first half hour of this movie where the characters are having topical conversations about racism and mm-hmm. uh, and like areas being like gentrified and uh, so on and. Um, that that scene that you're talking about, like with the art, like uh, critic, uh, I feel like kind of subverted how heavy-handed that yes. point had been uh, up until that point. Yes, that, that's very that true. Was a really well, refreshing I, moment for me for, in the movie for sure. I think there were a couple of clever moments of like racial tension subversion, where yeah. like like because I also noticed noted the. Um, the dinner party scene when yeah. when they're talking about gentrification and they're they're going on and on about how like oh white people built up the ghetto and then want just to tear it down yeah, yeah. and and then like the one white guy in the room is just like you mean like this building we're in right now that you guys live in because you're super rich yeah, and it's yeah. like dead it's so silent nice. and the, exactly yeah <laughs> brother has good. to be like let's tell a ghost story <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really so good yeah. I, I yeah. really wanted a lot more stuff like that where it's it like kind of Mm -hmm. presents it as a a bit more nuanced like it's one of the things where like or like i was talking with mike like there's the scene with coleman domingo's character when he's explaining like how Candyman is is multiple people and Mm -hmm. and 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 Candyman is is what we 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 come up with to deal with 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 racism and stuff like that and like for me exactly and for me and 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 mike was saying it as well was just like that would have hit so much harder if there was just more i don't if if there was less sledgehammer e type moments sort of when you're telling stories especially in like in like novels or or not even in like any type of story it's always a more effective technique to show what's happening rather than tell it and i understand that this is like a a, a weird area to like tiptoe around but if you're going to make a movie about about like call it as it is about like about like black men like murdered by racism returning as like spirits of re revenge like a i would say you probably shouldn't have those like three three of of the same archetype all all like committing like murder like the the slasher scenes are all against like 
this is all right. It's about to to get hot, guys. Um, <laughs> I I personally believe it's a little strange. Again, that the Candyman that we follow in this movie never says a word, even though mm. they're obviously trying in this movie to start a conversation about race and about and about and about and about like in justice, so on. And the character who you like created to embody the anger that comes from that type of death. Again, like never says a word, but 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 to further targets in his murders like like annoying white people. Like the first two, <laughs> the first two kills of the of of the movie are uh, a are, bunch of hipsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like God. We know you like Joy Division. <laughs> dude, oh, I was so mad. <laughs> she kept speaking yeah that that i i do think a lot of the a lot of the white people in this movie are kind of just caricatures yeah. which in and of itself is kind of a neat little subversion um but i also think it's i, I suppose so yeah it's 2021 and like exactly you know it's kind of like we we can have them be fleshed out characters but also you know thank you yeah there was also there was a scene like i i just have to get this out because this might be one of my most like a pivotal moment in this movie and i'm sure soon as soon as i say it james is gonna know because i was like laughing it just broke me like the movie establishes that there are multiple candy men, as it 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 it, it were, and they all have the same or the the same like or or origin story, as it were. They're all uh, black men who were like killed, and um, as as the movie tells the viewer that like its its theme is this series. The next kill that happens in the movie is a bunch of high school like white girl kids who get murdered in a bath <laughs> in a bathroom. Like it's just it's just a little weird. Like and and again, I, I said this at the beginning of the the podcast. I am definitely willing to admit that my gripes with this movie are concerning its theme, and I feel like its theme is. Uh, extremely serious topic to choose. You're already like tackling this theme within a horror movie, so how serious can it be? And of course, you like you like um, you like suspend your disbelief or whatever. But um, there's really no escaping what the movie was trying to say, in my opinion. And in that sense, I feel like the movie did not take itself seriously. And all like mm-hmm. this is my last point for for now. But we were mentioning earlier some slip ups and some awkward pacing in the third act. And uh, in the third act, the the character of William Burke. Uh, uh, towards the climax of the story, reveals that the that um, the spell of 
insanity that the protagonist uh, Anthony Thunny is experiencing is because he's been chosen to become the next candy man, the third one, uh, I suppose, in, in the canon of this okay. film. And um, uh, the scene in the end of the movie in which you see him uh, uh, lose his arm and wake, and uh, if I'm not uh, doing enough just justice to the scene, please like jump in because it was great. But mm-hmm. again, it's the theme that's like uh, gotten me a little like itched. But um, sure. in that scene, the uh, Burke, this like character, gives his. Um, Gives his like stereotypical villain yeah. speech. His yeah, ex- he's got a <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he he like has to explain why he's yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. And his ex- I mean, in 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 fairness, uh, and it is still it is still very very tropey. But in fairness, we have not gotten a lot of screen time with that character, so yeah. we do kind of like. I feel like that that explanation yeah. was necessary because yeah, definitely. He, he was basically just sort of the, the catalyst for like Anthony to start discovering things on his yeah, own yeah. And, and, and to begin his, you know, descent into madness slash candy manhood. Yeah. yeah that's, that's his third scene in the movie is, is <laughs> his, his villain reveal. And it's like, that's part of my thing with the third act where it's like, I wish he had more screen time so we could have he developed should have had him. a lot more screen like, yeah. time. Maybe build yes. up to him a bit more as opposed to just I Yeah, I think I think that could LOL, have been a... I'm the villain, by the way. Yeah. 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 Well I think but I think that goes back to that the third act felt rushed. Yeah. Um sure. but I I will say, despite the fact that, you know, all of us are complaining about it, I, you know, was basically slack jawed watching that those those final like 20 minutes let's talk about it like i like i just think i think even though i had some problems with like keeping up with the narrative just because i felt like it was a little bit yeah it was it was trying to tie things up really really fast a little too fast and should have just spread it out a little more um i thought the way that they delivered that was just i thought it was great i was i was on the edge of my seat waiting for watching everything unfolding and just like uh, yeah, just I mean, pro- I, like for me, props to everyone behind the camera and in front of the camera for for delivering a really solid like conclusion. Um, at the very least, a a compelling and uh, you know enjoyable to watch conclusion for me. Again, I, and I say repeatedly for me because I know this is where like Saber really started to hate the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm the one who was on the side of liking this movie, and I don't like the third act at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Maybe I'm the only one who likes the third act, but um. Yeah, like even. Well, even, I mean, God. It's, so be, be, before we get into this, because it ties into the third act, right? Mm-hmm. E- even though it it would maybe so ba- basically one of the, the 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 big third act thing is really hammering home the point that the movie is trying to make about racism and and racist cops and whatnot right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one of the things that like even like mike pointed out to me as well and and we were discussing in in our in our viewing of it even though this would have potentially made it a little too similar to the first film every single murder in this movie 
is associated and, and linked to Anthony McCoy and his art installation. Like it's mm-hmm. the same I name killers. And the first two victims are someone he had a public s- screaming match with, basically, in the middle of this, mm-hmm. this art installation showcase. And the second victim, the critic, he literally leaves her house seconds before she's murdered. He's the last person mm-hmm. to see her alive. And well, the she's sp- not the second victim, is she? Yeah, she is. I, well, thought, I, mean, the high, I thought the high school girls no, came first. No, they're, they're the uh, last ones. Uh. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're they're um, right before the the third act, the high school chicks. Yeah. Um, mm, okay. And and one of the high school girls there was also linked to the art installation, but not once throughout the entire movie is Anthony even kind of brought in for questioning by the cops to like yeah. establish yeah. even more, even like earlier on, like the racism angle, like yeah. and, and even that tie yeah. home the whole. Oh, you know, we've been looking for you, sort of thing. It's like, yeah, if yeah, you're trying maybe, to show and not tell, like maybe have yeah. a quick scene where the police at least ask him some questions. If or, you're or have you him, have like somebody, some cop trying to like get a hold of him or something. Totally, yeah, totally. Like it's, you have, you have something. Like, that, sense. like, how can you have a movie about about uh, again, like the current Candyman is murdered by a huge gang of. Uh, of uh of like of uh police and we see it in a flash in a flashback like how can you have a scene or a film that's that's about that like the origin story is a spirit of re re revenge of like racial like murder but you're not gonna like show any scenes of even non-violent racism in the movie you're just gonna have your characters again like topically speak on it and that feels like so forced and weird and like a little like heavy-handed you know and and uh, <laughs> sorry but like no no you're fine again like um as like james said like i feel like there's a huge issue with the tone of the movie that could have easily been solved by like making it what's honestly a bit more re realistic realistic it's crazy that this his man like never got talked to by the cops once in the movie mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i don't know it's weird it's it's a little too weird no and i i i agree with you and i think like not to not to completely like always be defending the movie um but i think i think maybe what they were trying to um i think maybe they just didn't have the real estate to do that if you if you get what i mean Mm, like like, i think money no 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 i mean like um in terms of like narrative real estate like i think i think kind of trying to have some sort of like presence of the police before the final like you know showdown or whatever would have would have maybe detracted too much from like because i'm sitting here thinking of like okay yeah what if we introduce a subplot where there's like police involved somehow like cops are trying to find him and question him maybe the cops show up at her place of work and you know try to question her and we see them being you know like like awful to her just because she's a black woman um but uh you know, and I, like I will, I will also say that I am a big sucker for like transformation movies, like the sort of like 
you know, a werewolf, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde yeah, type, yeah. type, you know, type thing, or like a descent into madness movies. So I, I, I think I do give this movie a lot of credit for, I, like, I loved Anthony's journey. Um, I, 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 his, his, his performance I, from, and I'm probably going to bastardize the name and I apologize, but Yaya Abdul Martin. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's fucking fantastic He's really in this good. movie. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just wish, like, at least with his Descent into Madness, I wish there was more of it, because it, it again, like, it just kind of ties into, like, that third act rush of just, it felt like yeah. a little a little too rushed. Like, he, he mm-hmm. does get obsessed with, with, with his work and his piece, but, like, mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like, it, it, it wasn't quite well, as also- spontaneous as, as, as Burke. But it's also that his final transformation is elicited by some by by literally someone else. Yeah. Like his final his final transformation yeah. is the villain of the movie chops his saws his hand off yeah. um and replaces it with a hook, right? And it's just kind of like, okay, I like I feel like at that point that should have been him doing it, right? Yeah. Him going so crazy that he's like, I am Candyman, and just like you know that's you know that's it right yeah um but but it's not it's 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 an external force when much of his story has been this internal you know reckoning with um with these stories and with what he's what he's seeing and what he's you know trying not to believe it it felt Um, like it felt like two different forces were trying to push him to be Candyman because Mm -hmm. there's like the bee sting which generally kind of goes unexplained for, throughout the entire movie, it's just he got stings by a bee and it transformed him, which is which is a really like, cool effect. Yeah, it's, it's such it's such, it's a, cool such a cool, and I think it's such a cool idea too to just it, it be like so cool. to just be like that's how we're gonna implant the idea is like a like a like a literal you know infusion of an idea through yeah. a sting. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think I think that it just didn't they didn't pay that off well enough. Yeah, where it's, I, I I think like if they maybe on maybe. That, yeah, ending. maybe cut um cut the you know the villain entirely. Just have it be him, you know, fully losing himself to this madness of you know, whatever. You either you either cut the villain completely, as you said, or as James said, give him much more screen time. Yes. I personally would have enjoyed that a, a bit more. Um, to uh, to uh, get back on my gripe with with, with well, the themes here. Uh, yeah, real please, quick, please, real please, quick oh, though, yeah, but please. I think I think giving him more screen time would have again, just like if we had given the co- if we had given the cops or the idea of you know police brutality, uh, like racial police brutality. If we had given those things more screen time, we would have had less time for the incredibly interesting transformation into the myth itself. Yeah, it's it's so my my, it's my a dream would be act. my my dream would have been like this movie is extended by a half like twenty minutes to a half an hour to fit all this stuff to make it so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel rushed because it's it, I mean it I feels think like you could, a, a lot could... of juggling of of trying to do so much in in such a tight ninety minute time frame. I think you could also there's a there's a there's a marriage I think of our two ideas where the you know uh, sorry I don't remember the the guy's name in the movie uh, Burke Burke yeah there's a marriage where Burke is the villain but he's not the I'm gonna saw off your hand and literally make you the Candyman villain he's the I'm the one who's been kind of like in like behind the scenes pulling the strings of leading you to all these different 
you know, avenues of investigation and different stories so that you become the Candyman yourself. But then it's Anthony who is the one who eventually like, you know, pulls the trigger and completes the transformation yeah. himself. Yeah. Um, go on, that Mike. Sorry. More, no, no, that's fine. Like that version again to me would have been more interesting, but the version that we got is again, a quick villainous expo expo about uh, his motive uh burke i mean and his motive he 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 like straight up says he he's creating a new candy man uh, being being um um the uh being the throw tag uh, he's going to turn him into the next candy man in order to sow more chaos and and more death and and like uh, in a sense, free free his community from the oppressor. That's like straight up mm-hmm. the character's quote, and I feel like that solidifies the theme that I've been saying has been being like drove like drove home a little too often in uh, in in this film. And if that's your character's like. Whole, whole motive that's like the reason that we get that really cool scene that looks so good to me it still doesn't feel good or taste good or whatever um mm. because it, the narrative is just a little in my opinion like it it, it it i'm not sure how how to how to say it and i've like thought about it a lot but i just feel like this movie chose to tackle a really serious theme and seemed to not take itself seriously in the process. And uh, I just thought that that was like whack. And there were parts parts of me like having fun with uh, the movie, like thinking like, especially with the way that, that this, his film ends and we, we can like get in into it after, after this like last bit. But I'm, um, if, if you're going to end this 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 movie with like such a powerful, crazy, like honestly crazy scene, mm-hmm. I feel like there definitely should have been more respect paid for the urban myth that it was trying to portray and like give new life into. It mm-hmm. should have given more respect to the theme that that urban myth is steeped in for the sake of the movie. And like, I gotta be honest, I, I, I was just mad that this movie did the things it did and didn't end with an army, a legion of candy men swarming all of the police. Yes. Oh my God. Precincts <laughs> like full of bees, like blowing them up into bees. Millions, millions of candy men storming a PlayStation. Like do it right or like go all the way or like don't, don't well, I think... go around. Like, sorry, sorry no, not, to, fine, not, to keep, not to keep being like, I think that's what the movie is going for. But, uh, like, I think, I think the, as funny as the, like, every single black person who gets murdered by the cops is a Candyman idea is, I think that the, what the movie is trying to say is that every single one that, like, becomes kind of like a story Mm. does, where it's like, oh, yeah, there's this spooky bedtime story about, like, this guy got murdered and he's gonna come get you if he says, you know, like, like, 
whatever. In that um, sense of the theme, the protagonist, Anthony, would have been the Candyman because his paintings became a little popular. I, I guess, yeah, it would have been like, oh, yeah, this is the it, it would have essentially been like a bastardization of the Tony Todd uh, or like Tony Todd Candyman origin, where it's like, yeah. oh, hey, there was this painter and he you know, got murdered, but it's like, oh, which painter? Because okay. there's two okay. in the mythos, you know? So it's like, oh yeah, like, like it, you know, it's another kind of like word of mouth where you're like, I heard the painter <laughs> fell in love with a white woman and that's why he was murdered. Sure, no, I sure, heard yeah. he was doing this, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I also think that like, this is just off the top of my head, that sure. ending scene um, with the, because essentially what happens at the very end is that, um the the our our the girlfriend i forget yeah. her name brianna 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 um she summons candyman in the like mirror of the like in the rearview mirror yeah. of the cop the car back of the police car yeah yeah um and that that scene like is very enjoyable to watch cuz it's like oh wow this is like mm-hmm. you know you're seeing candyman in action this is this is insane you know and um, arrives and doesn't kill her. Does it make any sense? Because he doesn't kill her. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. He kills everyone else around her, and it's like if if they had somehow established a little bit more that like he wouldn't because Anthony is a part of the myth now, and therefore she's summoning Anthony, who would not kill her because it's Anthony. Then it's like, what do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what I think they probably were yeah. going for, because it's also like... I hope so, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> but but then it's like, you know, like, why? That's not... Again, yeah, it, it goes back... they're breaking the rules, right? Yeah, and it yeah. Co- it, it, they're breaking the rules, but it also kind of goes back to that, like, what I said earlier about, like, oh, we don't necessarily need to know what the Candyman wants, because, yeah, because it's, it's supposed to be this... Yeah, it's supposed to be this supernatural force, and therefore... You know, like, like it's just it. It should be partially unknowable, but I think the rules still need to be consistent for it. So yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, like again, and I really, too. I really, really liked this movie. I can still be critical about oh, yeah. things that happen in it that that maybe don't make sense or maybe could have been made a little bit better, even yeah. if I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, yeah. it's. Like that—that's one of the things. Like I, I even was telling you when when we were watching Twin Peaks, I love Twin Peaks, but I'm very critical of season two, and I even had to skip mm-hmm. like every scene of James Hurley in in season two because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it it kind of becomes a a bit of a mess due to all these outside factors and et cetera, et cetera. Like you can yeah. still criticize something that, and James, that you love. and and me, yes. Um, and you, <laughs> uh, but you, like you can still criticize something you love, and, and similarly, like you can, like praise something you you don't like. Like as much as I hate this fucking movie, I, I think it's a very well shot movie. It's a very stylish mm-hmm. movie. The score, while not quite as strong as Philip Glass's score for me, um, is is pretty strong. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that I noticed when watching the re- the, the, the 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 new film for a second time is the uh, opening credits actually parallel the opening credits of the first film, where the first film mm-hmm. is Chicago and Cabrini Green from a sky level, and it's it's an mm-hmm. aerial overhead shot of it, whereas 
the opening credits of this film is Chicago and Kriburini Green from the ground level. It's like that's clever. Yeah. That's 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 it a neat, cool. neat little little thing where it's it's paying yeah. homage to the first film while putting its own spin. Can we on talk it. about and the Can shadow puppets? The, uh, the shadow puppets now. Yeah. Please, so cool. fuck yes. Let's talk about the art direction in this film. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to get canceled. Oh Lee, Lee, you should you should you yeah. should lead lead this because you've been kind of quiet. Oh, it's God. Okay, I I am a sucker for. Simple tricks done really well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. Let's talk about mirrors. <laughs> the most the most bastardized, butchered jump scare tactic in modern day horror mm-hmm. is someone opens the medicine cabinet and then shuts it. Down. <laughs> okay, even the original Candyman had one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this movie did a lot of really fun stuff using like mirrors to create different angles so that, you know, there's always an out of focus Candyman in the background and then they'll cut away and come back and he's gone. I'm a sucker for little shit like that. Um, they they filled a lot of um, haunting of Bly Manor with little tricks like that. Mm-hmm. And like to the extent that there were threads of people collecting no wait time stamp at 32 46 pause it right there and there's the feet of a ghost and then he's gone in the next scene like i love that kind of stuff and Candyman 2021 did a really good job of playing with um playing with angles using mirrors um and and using them in, in an artistic way as opposed to just jump scare fuel um but jesus christ these shadow puppets um Again, a really simple technique, but used artistically perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's like it's um, nor- normally in like it's most so good. normally in like most movies or whatever, where it's like if we get a a, a story explaining exposition, like we'd either get a flashback or it would just be kind of a dry scene of of someone explaining it and whatnot. Uh, whereas yeah. here, every there, there's three instances where we're we're told backstory slash exposition, and instead of going for the flashback or instead of going for just dry exposition, it is this little shadow puppet presentation of what went down, and it's really, really, really well st- well shot, and it's it's very stylish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very powerful imagery. It. I like the I like when, like you said, the the creative um, approach is taken to things like that because a uh, village did that village opening up with like a mock stop motion storybook mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was a really smart play. Um, yeah, you know yeah. anything to avoid like okay, here's uh, here's some actors dressed like they're ten years younger with a sepia filter over. It's like oh <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah. Can we not? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, Oh, what was oh, what was that scene? There was one scene that left me really, really giddy uh, from a from a, a cinematography standpoint. The death of the critic uh, when we mm-hmm. are we're pulling away from her her high high rise suite, and it looks like she's just staring out the window. She's almost out of view, and then silently, she's lifted off the ground 
blood smears against the against the glass of her apartment as she's being dragged across it all as she's maybe filling like her room's filling like a fourth of your screen and you're mm-hmm. too far away to hear any of the uh, any of the struggle, any of the carnage. Yeah. And then just a nice little cut to the next scene. Just yep. like fuck. Like finally, like fi- finally some delicious fucking food. Like <laughs> Yeah, like but that's, I, that's that's one thing I can also say too is like even though, like, at least for me, none of the death scenes were particularly scary, which was a bit of a, a downer. They were so stylish, thickly shot that I didn't mind it. And it exactly. was just very nice mm-hmm. to see at least creatively shot death sequences yes. after fucking the Fear Street <laughs> goddamn trilogy and the Again, asinine I, shit to, of Spiral. To repeat, right. to repeat from Lee, finally some good fucking food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. That's, that's... It's like this. This and *Malignant* both had some really good, like, well-shot on-screen deaths. And that's actually one thing that, like, to, I, I'm e- e- even though I'm still kind of apprehensive about it, just because I I'm in camp. I don't know if we needed another one as much as I like the franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. With *Halloween Kills*, I'm genuinely expecting good cinematography based off the previous film and mm-hmm. really well-shot, well-executed death sequences on top of a bitching mm-hmm. score by John Carpenter. And if that's all I get, then I'll be happy. And I just, I just don't want more fear street. <laughs> just these, these flat yeah. board, like if you're going to do a, a slasher or, 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 or whatever, like I want, if it's not going to be scary, then make it really well shot and stylistic. Yeah. Or creative. This worth that. Yeah, like I looked great for sure, and I think that that's a thing that uh, we definitely all are on the the same page about. Yeah, yeah, it like looked great. Yeah. So let's get spicy again great, and talk so... about the ending. <laughs> oh my god! Uh-oh. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. What all are right. you saying, James? All right. So yeah, this <laughs> this is. I know exactly what James wants to harp about. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna shut up and let James talk. But also, I think even though I've been I've been a staunch defender of this movie for this entire podcast, I think this is probably like the one point where I'll mostly concede. I think so. Go on, James. So Brianna, at, at Anthony disappears after visiting his mom, uh, and Brianna. Goes back to the apartment because they uh, kind of split after he had a little episode and was, like, throwing shit to prevent her from, like, summoning the Candyman. And she took it as him going psychotic, which, to be fair, he was going psychotic, even though he was trying to protect her. Um, So she finds a pen from William Burke's laundromat. And because he mentioned he heard about the Candyman from, from the laundromat guy... Uh, earlier in the movie, she heads there to inquire about Anthony, and shortly after getting there, gets abducted by William Burke in our, that, and that is our first thing of just, oh, William Burke's the villain, is he abducts her, uh, Mm -hmm. and it just feels weird and rushed and comes out of nowhere, and then we get, um, William Burke, as she's waking up, 
uh, calling the police and talking about a crazed black man with a hook running around Cabrini Green, uh, covered in blood. Uh, and he gives his, his exposition about how he wants to sort of, sort of bring Candyman back, uh, as a sort of punishment for, for racism and, and gentrification and proceeds to saw off Anthony's hand. Uh, and then we get a chase sequence because she manages to escape into the tunnels, I guess, of, of this church or these hallways, which are really, really dark. And Burke decides to... <clears throat> chase after her kind of slasher movie villain style all of a sudden uh they get into a little kerfuffle and then we get a particularly brutal scene where she stabs the ever-loving fuck out of him to death with a pen i think it's a pen mm -hmm. uh and yep. then anthony shows up and she kind of is a little scared of him because he's completely zoned out he's kind of in this Almost like a like trance, fugue state, fugue state yeah. yeah. Of, of and just, half of his body and is half like his body is just like man, he's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's got this hook for his hand now because because Burke just chopped off his hand with a fucking saw and just rammed a goddamn hook into it. Uh, and he kind of walks over to her, and she's still like super scared and confused, and and he collapses on the floor. And she, you know, drops down to like comfort him and try to, try to like tend to him or whatever. I need to, I need to stress again, on the floor. On the floor, uh, and completely, you know, just out of it. And the cops show up. You hear him outside. You see the sirens. Uh she screams in here. We see a shadow of a cop run into the room. We see her, and he goes, you know, raise, let me see your hands. <clears throat> she raises her hands and is trying to say, you know, he needs medical attention, and it cuts back to the shadow and gunshot. Uh, she, the cop just guns down Anthony as he's on the floor in her arms in a in very, yeah. in a very, uh, at least for me, uh, David Cage, Heavy Rain type sequence of of the cops gunning down Ethan as his child standing two feet away from him, uh, running the risk of potentially shooting her in the process, especially because of exit wounds, but whatever racist cop just immediately shoots him. And yeah, then, then she gets taken outside and is in handcuffs and a racist cop is like, yo, you're going to say our side of the story, otherwise we're going to claim that you were an accomplice, even though we, we literally don't have anything to indicate that you were an accomplice, but we're racist. And then she does the whole Candyman spiel in the back of the car into the, into the rearview mirror, and Anthony comes back to life and murders the ever-loving fuck out of the cops, and we get CGI Tony Todd face. Uh, yeah. And, uh... That was the, that was kind of the moment of the movie that that completely lost me because I know shit like that happens in in real life, but at least from like a narrative perspective, it felt super heavy-handed, and especially after everything that had happened and with no real presence or build-up to the racist cops, it's just take your real-world stuff about what's going yeah. on and apply it to the logic of this movie. And yeah, just the yeah. It 
there is a way to drive home the message that they intended and still have it come off as more realistic. And like you said, yes, you know, horrible, horrible events like that do unfortunately happen. But mm-hmm. it's diminishing the intended message by going with something that can be perceived as just so out of left field. Like, okay, have him not fall over. He's dazed. He can barely stand. He's, he's he needing her help, maybe. And cop comes in, pistol drawn. You know, get your fucking hands in the air. And he manages to get his hands up, sees the hook. Yeah. He's got a weapon. Bam. And then discharge. Which, which, not to... Not to bring this up, but is actually something Spiral did kind of right? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Spiral. I know. Fuck Spiral, Fuck but spiral. but the the ending of that is basically exactly what you just described. Don't you have Spiral prove my point? <laughs> basically. Or or even because I remember I remember when but we like, watched it, you guys were saying that you thought you saw like some different like hallucination or something of, of like maybe like it was sh- the way it was shot like so, Anthony was appearing is, differently or the villain this, stood back up and he got shot I don't he, know he, th- so this is this is my interpretation and uh, again it is perhaps I'm giving the movie a little too much credit because of my level of enjoyment of it um but because we have that shot of right after um the cops have burst in and started shooting we have that shot of her um, like sit, sitting on the ground without his body draped over her, that mm. made me think that that like because I think what the movie might the movie was either trying to say he immediately disappeared after he was shot, or it's trying to say that each person was seeing something different that that he had already become Candyman at this point, so it was it was a mute it was a moot point almost to kill him because he was already as good as dead basically. I think it you're might... a much better uh, writer than uh, the one that we got, Kat. Oh, yeah. what, we, what we got instead was that clip from Chappelle's show where they raid Bill Burr's house. Now, get on the ground! And he's got a cute little golden retriever just smiling at the cop. He's got a dog! And they shoot it in the head. That's oh what God. we got instead. Yeah, I, I, I was sad, or or that, that, that scene of Harold and Kumar where, where there's the black man sitting in the jail cell and the jail cell opens because Harold and Kumar escape and the cops run in and just look at the black man and go, he's resisting arrest! And they just start beating him. Like, I don't want to compare it to fucking Harold and Kumar, god damn it. Yeah, of course, of course. Like, it's just a weird, like, uh, it's, it's just, really it's just a weird tone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 that's, it's tonally oh. jarring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, it's confusingly I, shot. It, it yeah. is confusingly shot as well. I think that was, that's my biggest gripe about it is uh, for a movie that has been relatively clear up until that point to suddenly get so, I don't want to say artistic, mm. uh, but but some a, a word like that, you know, to, to suddenly get so like avant-garde or like, you know, like, oh, it's up to your interpretation. It's kind of like, yes, and obviously I had a satisfying interpretation of it, but a lot of other people didn't, certainly, that I watched the movie with. So I think maybe a little bit of clarification could have gone a long way into your audience feeling fulfilled by sure, yeah. the end. 
What was your guys' interpretation of the the girlfriend saying saying the name in the mirror, and instead of her not being being killed, all of, of the uh, cops died, died instead? Like, how did that land for 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 you all? It, it jumbled the message of what Candyman is supposed to be. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it solidified, at least in my mind, the theory that going forward, Candyman is meant to represent the, the he's a he's a personification of of the revenge of this of this black community. Exactly. That's been, that's mm-hmm. been the victim of racism and, and mm-hmm. police brutality. It it throws out the window everything that we've established about the character beforehand. Exactly. It, it, yeah. even, it um, even throws out what the movie shows us because like after the end after after burke kidnaps brianna we get a flashback scene where burke's sister is in the bathroom with her friend summoning candy Mm -hmm. right and and burke's sister is is just this teenage teenage black girl and Candyman just comes in and just murders her for for no real reason because just that's how Candyman works. You, you say Candyman five times in the mirror, he comes and, and he murders you. But then at the end of the film, it's like, nah, fam, I'm not going to kill you because I, I'm going to kill these racist fucks. It's almost like it breaks the rules. Yeah, it's almost like within the same movie, all of the flashback scenes, the, the scenes that like happened before the present uh, script or whatever, are 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 all of the old canon and all of the deaths that happened in the present of the movie are this new concept of the mm-hmm. racial re revenge spirit you know and it's just really jarring yeah it's it's, it's yeah. weird it's hard to I'm, keep the original spirit of the character and take it in that new direction at the same time without yeah something uh, exactly okay yeah. so hear me out real quick guys yeah yeah I'm 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 thinking back a little bit over that final scene and or the the yeah that those final scenes the the end of the movie and what okay sorry formulating what if the Anthony Candyman is sort of Burke's way of sort of like taking back the myth. And, and and basically using it as a you know as a defender of the his community rather than kind of that, yeah. rather yeah. than like a like a yeah like a slasher figure within it yeah, yeah. right that, I I don't actually know if this is a correct interpretation but now now that I'm thinking about it I'm kind of like I kind of and again this just goes back to the movie needed 20 more minutes yeah. to make this a really to yeah. make this point hit home um if that is in fact the point but but because because of what you guys were just saying about how those two kind of motives the before before anthony and after anthony don't quite line up yeah maybe maybe that's why but then but then why did we see but then why did we see tony todd at the end exactly Mm -hmm. Hmm. okay well it had two great ideas and tried to push them together and yeah yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. it's it's trying to be multiple things and say multiple things and, and it's juggling all these different themes and ideas but it just doesn't have the the space to breathe like even 
even thinking about it more too, <clears throat> it it could have even maybe benefited from being sort of like a a Netflix or HBO Max limited series to like yeah. really let it breathe and and flesh out all these ideas. Yeah, and, I can see that. And, and be like a even slow though, burn sort of thing. I'm yeah. I mean, it could you could have gotten a like a blind manner out of it or something. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of limited series just because, uh, generally speaking, I'm either, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I like things that are finite. So, and I like things that are kind of shorter. I like movies basically. Sure. I like to spend two hours and get, you know, get a full picture of everything that's going on. Yeah, exactly. I don't necessarily like to sit for six or seven hours and be like, Ooh, what's, you know, what does all this mean kind of thing? That's why I'm always I'm always hesitant to start a new TV series or anime series or anything like that cuz it's mm-hmm. like okay, this is a this is a much larger commitment than yeah. me put popping a movie on and deciding 20 minutes and I don't like it cuz yeah. you know, if I don't like the first 20 minutes of a TV show, it's like, oh, well, there's eight more hours, maybe I'll like the rest of it. Or you, you could wind up with like a case of uh, True Detective season 2. Where midway through the season, it just shits the bed so fucking hard, and then the yeah. ending shits even harder. Uh, I I, I feel I feel that. Uh, hello, hello, lost finale, my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, you know, as as both of us are twenty four fans, I'm sure we can attest to uh, how rocky sometimes oh, twenty four got. Yeah, the 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 sl- the gradual decline. Not so gradual either, but it was a roller coaster of just starts bit, strong, yeah. kind of dips, goes back up, kind of dips, mm-hmm. goes back up, really dips. Uh, I yo. <laughs> season six was super rough, man. Season, oh, season six, six was, was quite rough. Super rough. Yeah. Like, oh man, and season eight was pretty rough too. Uh, we we're getting slightly off topic slight, though. Yeah, do we do topic. we want to do we want to wrap up Candyman and then and then go to our our concluding what we've all been up to media wise? I, I wouldn't mind because I feel like the last thing that I have to say about it is kind of my concluding statement. So I've been just holding on to it. Cool. Um, but you want to start? Uh, yeah. If if we are going to if we are going to wind it down there, yeah. What mm-hmm. a, um, this was okay to encapsulate i think this is a good well done horror film that could have been something so much better with better uh with more attention put into nuance in the script and a clear message this movie is capitalizing on but not taking advantage of a sensitive social climate we have right now i i i love that this movie had the guts to come out in the middle of what's undoubtedly one of the most important social movements of our generation black lives matter and to make a statement about it but in trying to cover that topic and also remain faithful to the core source material and have you know the Candyman character be present it's tearing itself apart trying to be two things at once 
I think that if they decided to do away with the the, the original Tony Todd character and fully 100% commit to the Candyman being reimagined as this spirit of vengeance, they could have made a very powerful film. Mm-hmm. I think that it has an identity crisis, but I think that what we're left with is still an enjoyable viewing. Agreed. I couldn't have said that better myself. I, I feel like you just said anything that I may have just just said. I Yeah, I think that's a pretty... Uh, that's a really nice, succinct summary of yeah. of how I feel as well. Even though I think, I think maybe I enjoyed it a little more than you, but yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I do I do agree that it could have been better. But I'm also like, I'm sorry, I'm such an apologist for this movie. Don't, I really like. Uh, don't don't um, apologize. <laughs> I'm, I'm it saying it's. Go- I'm saying it's good. It could yes, have it been really great. was. Yes. Yes. Could have yeah, been I, great. I, I I agree with you. I think I think. You know, and I know I know Jordan Peele did not direct, but he is one of the writers credited Um, in in terms of his his writing credits. It's no get out. But I did like it better than us. Um, Yeah. So, yes, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I feel like Um, that's a whole other podcast. And I I think I think that the director, uh, Nia DaCosta. Yeah. Uh, I I think she did a brilliant job. Like, absolutely brilliant. And I direction was very nice. I really hope she does more horror movies. Cause I'll see him. <laughs> my Jam, final, my, my final thought is just stop fucking CGI facing, please. <laughs> stop it. Like I, I, I know, I know he's a ghost. I know hypothetically yeah. he wouldn't age, but you know what is gonna age? That CGI face. <laughs> it's gonna age really fucking terribly. I mean, it wasn't fucking red. It wasn't reptile in Mortal Kombat. No, it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, and it wasn't. It wasn't new Luke, like de-aged Luke Skywalker either. Oh, but, oh, yeah, Grandma Tarkin fucking CGI, up. CGI yeah. Carrie Fisher, fucking yeah, oh Barbie doll Princess Leia showing Hope. up. Um, but and and I guess my other final final little nugget thing, uh, just personal pet peeve minor nitpick despite the fact that i hate the movie is the it's, it's and i know i i know why but cgi bees man no i i know why but just like that image of tony todd opening his mouth and it's he's his mouth is literally filled with bees james it's so not the 80s anymore haunting. we can't abuse our actors <laughs> hey hey that Tony's heart may have gotten stung, but as I mentioned, he got a thousand dollars for every single time he got stung. That's... We're talking about abusing the bees. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's true. Those are long work hours, and those I mean, bees aren't being paid. The only, the, only, the, 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 the one, and their children apparently. Baby bees. The one who had the They're most babies. The, the one who had the most at stake. <laughs> the one who had the most at stake was Virginia Madsen, who was fucking apparently deathly allergic to bee stings. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, though. We can't do that. You really can't do that anymore? <laughs> well, we, we can. We're just lazy. Just no, lazy. I'm not asking for ju- There's actual laws. No, no. And regulations. They unionized. He's like, the bees, yeah, the, the bees, bees unionized. have unionized. The bees unionized. <laughs> and, and, like, on, on another note, too, uh, if Candyman going forward is more sort of to be representing like black rage and racial injustice and whatnot 
and and I was kind of joking about this with Mike, but it's also not quite a joke. I'd like to see a candy lady or or you know candy you know Ooh. like because again it's like Brianna Taylor and and, and exactly uh, even even going That's back further even though she wasn't even though she wasn't murdered by racism like Rosa Parks suffered a lot of racial injustice like older older women or, or children like I think one of the shadows kind of implied there was a, a child boy Candyman yeah. but yes. like I would love to dig more into that like. I think leaving out because the the child one uh, was a like I was a little scared they were going like Emmett Till on that and I was like ah I don't know if we should bring in like you know like obviously real world violence yeah. like, like real world racial violence is a very real thing that this movie is obviously touching on and you know it, it is it should be you know taken very seriously uh, and I don't think that like a horror movie is the best place to be like hey this real world this real world murder victim you know i'm like uh no i don't read no yeah that that sits really wrong with me i i I, uh, for me at least like i mean i don't i wouldn't want like a real world murder victim obviously but like i i think especially if 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 it's if if it's handled a certain way or whatnot like it could like to go back to say night of the living dead even though it wasn't necessarily george romero's intention like ben's death in the movie evoked a lot of this is so reminiscent of like you know martin luther king getting shot or or malcolm x getting shot and whatnot so like i think you could kind of do something without completely bringing in real world shit and doing disservice to an actual I, I, I think I think it's just I think it's just you know treading carefully yeah you know what I mean it's it's like if you bring the holocaust into a movie mm-hmm. like you you don't you gotta take it seriously you gotta take it seriously you gotta because 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 there are actual people who were really aff- really affected and, and died because of it yes yes but like not you know not not just the the victims but the families and yeah. you know people you know of there's far-reaching consequences for um you know that that level of of hate and violence and i think i think films just need to be very smart about how they tackle that they do they very do they very much similar similar to my feelings on uh you know including sexual assault yes which we've talked about many many times it's you have to give it the seriousness that you know exists in real life behind it yep absolutely yeah whether or not a writer is, is capable of it, they need to figure that out. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a matter of how it's handled and, and if it's tackled with, with delicacy and, and care and, and not sort of in yes. an offensive, exploitative manner. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, do do you want to intro this next sure, segment? Sure, because we, we kind of briefly touched upon it at the end of Malignant. Uh, mm-hmm. of just discussing other horror movies and, and Kat had the idea post-podcast of uh, maybe including a segment after we're done with the discussion of, of what we've been up to since the last podcast, like what we've been watching what we've been playing as opposed to just the yes. the shorter the, the super short seconds at most outro of, of what we are going to be doing 
Yeah. Well, because especially like, you know, all of us are very busy people. We all have jobs. We all do other things outside of um, this podcast and our watch parties. So sometimes we don't always, you know, watch the same things. This time, you know, we all got together to see Candyman. But, you know, we've also been watching other horror movies and playing other horror things. So or, you know, non-horror too. just like what you guys been doing and, you know, maybe some recommendations for our audience. Nice. If they like our stuff. That sounds fun. Yeah. 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 Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so, um, so yeah, I, uh, I very recently finished streaming medium, um, which is a, it all ends in me. Uh, yeah, which is a, a, a blooper team game. Um, it very much, I know, I know James did not like it. Um, there were definitely aspects of it I did not enjoy, but ultimately it was very reminiscent to me of a lot of um, the older, jankier point-and-click um, like murder mystery games I would play as you know in when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I very much enjoyed it. It was just that with a bit of an upscaled budget and a bit of a nicer, uh, you know, more more polish to it. Definitely yeah. not um, wholly polished, as I pointed out in my stream. But I think anybody who's into into like Black Mirror or uh, Still Life or, you know, even like Longest Journey or Siberia, like mm. those kind of games, I feel like you, you would translate well to medium if you're into horror and those kind of games. Um, then I think I mentioned it very briefly on this podcast, but I did watch Jacob's Wife, which I was really, really excited for because um, it's it's Barbara Crampton's like return to horror, uh. really. And she's like the leading lady in it. Um, oh, yeah. And she plays a, a, a preacher's wife uh, who is like very, very um, meek and kind of, you know, put upon a little bit. Not not, you know, she's not extremely independent or, or anything. And she gets bitten by a vampire and turns into a vampire. Whoa, cool. OK. Um, yeah, it's, it's it is a, it is a very cool movie until the last like two minutes. Oh, well. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I feel like, uh, I feel like the movie, um, the movie presented a really, really interesting dynamic between her and her husband, because initially mm. he's kind of like an overbearing, like he's a very typical, like Puritan husband where it's like, he's the man of the house. And she's kind of just like the doting wife. Who's just like, you know, taking care of everything. And then that dynamic kind of flips he basically becomes a vampire hunter and like oh, crazy. Yeah, no. And, but then, but then he's also simultaneously helping feed her and helping her like hide oh, bodies. Cool. Okay. It's so cool. But then th- there's kind of this like final climactic moment where it's essentially, she kind of reacts to him trying to him basically still being protective and trying to save her. And like, they have this kind of like, the thing is, it's building up. They have a confrontation, but they also have a very deep love for each other. Like, there's a moment where the the, the master vampire who turned her shows up and is like, you should go eat your husband. And she's like, oh, my God, I totally should. Like, he just, like, triggers her <laughs> hunger. But, but, like, instead, she just, like, starts, like, you know, she's madly in love with him again. Like, it's basically just like, oh, like, I'm not going to kill him because I love him basically mm. and it's like oh that's that's, that's kind of an interesting take on it and then <laughs> yeah. they they kind of just like 
the end is like a, a joke where it's like, oh, she's a vampire. He's a vampire hunter. They don't trust each other anymore. And like, maybe one will kill the other. And they end on like a freeze frame of like her hissing at him and him like pulling out a stake. Cue the odd and, couple thing. Yeah. Yes. No, it really, really it was. And I was just kind of like, man, I, I feel like that's a cop out because I feel like they should have just, they should have resolved that tension in however, like, instead of just being like, well, what are you going to do? She's like, a blood sucking creature <laughs> of the night. <laughs> Yeah, he's, exactly, a, like, he's an instrument of holy justice. <laughs> what hijinks will they get into this Dude. week? Being exactly. married. <laughs> exactly. Like CBS I'm just like I it 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 really it really just should have like you set up something so clever and then you kind of just like didn't pay it off. And I yeah. So ultimately I still think it's worth a watch because Barbara Crampton is wonderful as usual. Jesus um where can I watch this? Shudder. It's, oh, on, okay, cool. it's on Shutter for free. Um, yeah, Shutter. Uh, really I'm, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, I love, I love Shutter. So yeah, yeah, I, I wow. yeah, definitely recommend it if you can get get it for free. Um, but I think it's worth a rental too. I just, There's yeah, actually I something it. on that that uh, I suppose I should have brought up af- after the show. But there's a movie on Shutter that I'm very interested. that like looks cool, and I think that you guys may be down and uh, perhaps could be a cool uh, podcast for y'all. But I'll uh, but I'll uh, bring bring it back up uh, when we're done, though. I guess. Okay. All right. All right. But I guess um, real fast to get through uh, what I'm uh, uh, c- consuming in terms of uh, media. Um, yeah. I, uh, I didn't have to think long about it because I'm currently watching a show that I've, I've been having like a ton of fun with. Been like, it's been making me like think, think a lot and I'm just like have, having a blast. It's like something that's very deep in my like core nerd. Um, the, uh, um, uh, FX show Legion. Um, mm. It's a um, it's a X Men uh, spinoff story. Um, though, if I didn't tell you it was, it may take you a, a quite a while to to suspect that it, it is. And that's part of uh, what's so attractive about this story to me. Um, it's definitely uh, as an X Men fan, I, I like read. The uh, comic books, I like, I've seen every, every show and movie, whatever. Um, it's definitely one of the most serious, most like highbrow, like stylized in terms of like shooting, in terms of like the, uh, the uh, script. It's uh, some of the just plain out like coolest stuff that I've, I've like seen in a while. And um, it, it, it deals with one of my favorite um, themes in fiction and that's uh godlike powers in like in 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 the hands of an unstable person like that mm-hmm. that like trope is always so fun to me um but yeah it's it's a it's a uh, ongoing series I'm, I'm currently uh in the middle of seasons and three and i'm still like going for the ride it's crazy so um yeah if uh, if any of you guys are uh X-Men nerds, uh, sci- sci- sci-fi horror nerds. It's a cool one. Okay. It's, a, it's yeah. a great mix mix of both those things. Good stuff. I got, uh, I've got two going on right now. One is, uh, 
One is a book that I'm really, really digging into. It's a collection of short stories written by the great uh, Robert E. Howard, who created Conan. Mm. He had a second character who uh, did not get a lot of spotlight because of how popular Conan became. And that motherfucker's name is Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane is a fucking badass. He's. uh, I didn't know that he made him though. That's cool. Hell yeah, Solomon Kane is the is the second son of uh of Robert E. Howard. He is a a he's essentially a paladin before we knew what a paladin was. He's he's a uh, a traveling instrument of justice in the service of his higher power. He's uh he's an expert swordsman. just ro- rolls around the earth, gets into adventures, helping the weak and and fighting the dark powers of the world. And just all of these stories are so digestible. Like, I think the longest story in the book so far is like 30 pages. And some of them just have such great sure. flavor and beautiful imagery. Um, fantastic stuff. I, I, I got a book that is complete collection of everything that was solomon kane so it's a it's a nice like 400 page tome or something nice and it's it's so damn good uh and then play wise i haven't had a whole lot of time to um to give to it but i am absolutely in love with a little game called other side i've been wanting to play that oh oh it's good huh oh oh ghoul guts oh Oh, let me me tell you a little bit about So, Other Side is a top-down, turn-based tactics uh, combat game with uh, permadeath and uh, a a beautiful grim art style. Um, Without giving too much of it away, because I think there's a certain mystique to the landscape and the storyline that needs to be... uh, that needs to it needs to stay shrouded in some air of mystery. Other side is uh, is concerning a being called the child who has brought upon an age of suffering. The entire world is painted in gray scale. Everything is a warped macabre form of its former self. And you play as the daughters. You are a collection of these supernatural uh, women fighters who are trying to end the child's reign over this world. And as you play through the game, you're discovering that all of these horrible visions that you're fighting are all rooted in very real problems and uh, traumas. And by the time you reach the first boss, who's very early on, the surgeon, you realize that it is more of a deconstruction of mental trauma and illness, and you are quite literally fighting the horrors that are in this child's mind. Yeah, this this game seems so cool. It, yeah, that it sounds is, dope. It is brilliant. And, uh, Mike, I'll, uh, uh, I'll want to get into this a little bit with you uh, off yeah. stream, but um, the music in this game. Oh, does say no more. I mean, <laughs> it does something that I I feel is very underutilized in games these okay. days, okay. Uh, which is 
layers and beats and chord progressions being added into the music as the fight progresses. Uh, yeah, like that's yeah Dude, it, the the Mick Gordon touch great. basically. Yeah, the yeah. Mick Gordon, it's very um revengeance. You know, you get to yeah, the final yeah. phase and then rules of nature. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. Like it was so hyped. You come on, but but in this, it's terrifying. Because, like, you're doing a boss fight, and you're like, yeah, I'm doing really well. And then you hear a crunchy guitar riff get added into the background music, and you're like, oh, no, I'm in another phase now, aren't I? (laughs) And then, like, you'll land a critical blow, and the villain, like, turns red for a second. It's like, oh, did I kill him? And then vocals come in, and the villain starts using, like, his his power moves against you. And there's permadeath, so you're terrified yeah, for your daughters. Yeah. You're like, no, no! <laughs> oh my god. I can't have my misery be set to this hype of a soundtrack. Yeah, this sounds great for sure. Other side is the shit. I, I, I'm I, wanting to finish it as soon as possible. Are because you planning I, to stream it? Uh, no, because okay, this is okay. such an experience that is set for just headphones mm-hmm. and silence. Okay. You play yeah. this in okay. darkness and dwell in that in that misery um i think i think instead of doing a video of gameplay i am very tempted to i think do my first video essay oh no way that's cool i'm in love with this game that'd be so cool and it's it's nice to see a game that's that's able to juggle different mechanics like that and everything and also approach the topic of mental illness and trauma with a really creative approach you know, it's 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 as fresh as the first Alice in Wonderland. Uh, uh, what the fuck was uh, Madness. Uh, American Madness. Yeah, McGee. Yeah. It's that Hell first yeah. breath of fresh air for that in a while. Like, yeah. um, I like, I like a lot of what Evil Within tried to do with yeah. its with its approach. But other side, just mm, mm, it's sweet misery. Wow. Well, I'm nope. definitely gonna take that uh, in, in stride and put that on my my list. Oh yeah, you'll thanks dig it. That. Yeah, nice. thanks for that, James. Um, so basically, me, it's kind of just been a lot of rewatching stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, on the subject of like Tony Todd, I showed Mike the uh, the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead with uh, Tony Todd as the lead, directed by Tom Savini. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, and you know, like it, it's a neat little sort of companion piece, and, and in ways it kind of, as as George Romero puts it, kind of retroactively fixes some of the issues that he has with the original film that he would have done differently. Like one of his big grievances with the uh, original movie is he kind of thinks that the character of Barbara doesn't really have any agency. She's just kind of there in like this catatonic state throughout like the entirety of the movie. Yeah, that's kind of whack. Yeah, whereas like in the in the new film, she actually has much more of a fleshed out character and is like she has a storyline and a story arc. Yeah, <laughs> she she has like a lot more proactive scenes and and whatnot. Um, and then sort of to counteract that because we were kind of in the zombie mood, I showed Mike uh, Return of the Living Dead, which I have no real nostalgia for because I only saw it I think for the first time last year. Oh really? But, yeah, oh, wow. but uh. Since I first saw it, uh, I think I've rewatched it a good, I don't know, three or four times. 
in the last year, just because more paramedics. It, for me, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 sort of like a veg out movie where I can just kind of put it on in the background and just kind of watch yeah. it without it without it being one of the films that I've grown up with and I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So it's like I still kind of pay attention while I can still kind of veg out to it. And then in uh, in prep for Midnight Mass, I rewatched the entirety of Hunting of Hill House on Netflix, which. I still absolutely adore. I haven't seen Blind Manor yet, even though I intend to at some point. Uh, and and I just I love Timothy Hutton. That was kind of my main selling point going into the mo- uh, the, the miniseries, even though he's barely in the fucking thing. Um, and then of course I watched the first episode of Midnight Mass, but I stopped because I I got too excited at the prospect of uh, <laughs> watching it potentially in a watch party because. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, it, it gave me a lot of very strong Salem's Lot vibes, and that's one of my two, two or three favorite Stephen King stories. So, like the idea of Mike Flanagan kind of putting his own little spin on Salem's Lot seemed uh, really, really interesting for me. And uh, in prep for Dune, I kind of am tempted to watch the documentary uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Uh, which is a documentary about the 1970s attempt to turn Dune into a movie by Alejandro Jodorowsky. And it's his pitch for Dune was kind of this massive fucking fever dream. Uh, part of the reason why the film never got made was he was adamant about making it a 10 hour long movie. Um, Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, it, it's it's noteworthy because so many films kind of uh, existed because this film didn't get made. For example, um, Dan O'Bannon, who was hired as the, I believe, the screenwriter for 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 this adaptation of Dune, he was introduced to a little man named H.R. Giger because H.R. <laughs> Giger was hired as one of the artists for Dune. And mm-hmm. that is what led to the creation of Alien and why H.R. Giger got involved in Ooh, Alien because, because of this failed project. Um, like, he, even, like, I think Orson Welles was going to be playing Baron Harkonnen. Like, he, he had, like, all sorts of, like, crazy, like, big-name actors from, like, the 70s yeah. attached to it. And it was, like, by all accounts, it, it, like, seems like a great movie or at least a interesting movie that we could have had and instead we have a documentary about the making of the movie and 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 what kind of came after the movie you know after the after the project failed and what kind of spun off from that and that's it's been on my radar for a while but i think because the new adaptation is coming out i kind of want to finally sit down and and watch that little documentary nice cool yeah yeah all right, so thank you guys. Yeah, let's let Absolutely. shall we sign out? It's been almost two hours. This has been a good one, yeah. Yeah, good, good, right. good chats, good discussions. Yeah, I um... Saber, I decided not to quit. Okay, well, thank you. I <laughs> yeah, quit. I quit. Though. Yeah, I can't. Oh. I can't. I, I, I just I'll can't. I can't stomach the apologist cat. 
<laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, look, look, I, yeah. I mean, I think the the whole point of this podcast is if you like a movie, that's cool. If you don't like a movie, that's, that's cool. That's cool. We can yeah. all just talk intelligently about it, you know, even even if we disagree. Yeah. And and that's and true. and not not treat somebody else as if they're the worst person in the world just because they like or dislike something and start accusing yeah. them of being something yeah. that they're not. Yeah, like that's that's why I uh I, I genuinely I genuinely enjoy uh consuming media with you folks because there's never a moment of, oh, you're an idiot because you like this. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, you're racist true. because you don't like this. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So. But really, if you don't like Malignant, blow it out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be friends. I don't want to be friends. Oh, oh, oh man. And, and, and if, also... you like cor- if you like Corpse Party, Niku. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I, I, I was going to say, you know, to be real, you know, uh, if you like uh, Balan Wonderfuck, then get your life examined. Uh-oh. That's fair. Uh, no, no, we, we, we just. We I'm, just. I'm not. I do. <laughs> um, so, uh, I am, again, once again, the Attack Cat, streaming on Twitch occasionally, uh, hopefully getting back into more Corpse par- Party VODs with these fine folk. <laughs> it's never happening again. <laughs> I want to oh, get yeah, I want to get blue guts on corpse party. Oh, oh god! Special blue no, guts run, episode. Run, a good idea. <laughs> my god! Yeah, no, no. It's not going to happen, sir. <laughs> Love you, saber. No. <laughs> Why don't you want to? Don't you want to voice a lolly? I'm tired of suffering. <laughs> the suffering. The suffering. <laughs> All right, this was uh, this was your boy Lee Alder, the Valley Jester. Catch my shit over on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash Valley Jester. Trying to work back into a rhythm right now. I had a crushing week and a half at work, so I have not streamed since I did uh, since I did my Fortnite stream. Boop, boop, boop. I played one yeah, round <laughs> and got first place, certified Ooh. Fortnite champion. Click <laughs> uninstall. <laughs> I I've been turning down offers left and right. <laughs> Team Liquid yeah. offered me six figures. I said, "Make it oh, seven." Oh. Get back to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we just started doing uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, and yeah. uh, I don't know. We might we might do a little something soon to mix it up. Uh, but yeah, priority is going to be. Uh, Finishing other side and possibly writing a writing a draft of that little uh, video essay script. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's very exciting, dude. Yeah, yeah cool. Should be good. And uh, I am uh, your boy. It's Mike. Um, I am am ghoul, ghoul guts on Twitch. Uh, however, as I always say, I never stream. Um, <laughs> it'll it'll happen again as. At some point, and those when cosmic it does, nudes like, find themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's I becoming am... part of your sign off. I'm cool guts over on dude. Twitch. I never stream. Yeah, 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 dude. But when I do, it's spooky. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm sure that one of these times when I'm featured again on 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 the uh, good. 
Gooncast, I'll, I'll have a valid plug for you guys, but uh, today I, I do not. I just want to say thanks for having, thanks for uh, allowing me to be a part of this discourse. It was fun. Always, it Mike. always is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's our pleasure, yeah. man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. And uh, this is James, also Saber0307 on Twitch. Uh, still kind of in the spooky season, even though I've been slacking a little bit just due to life and other shit. Uh, but mostly we're just doing back to ghoul type stuff. Got some fun stuff planned for post back to ghoul. And I uh, might have a little side project that I've been kind of sitting on for the last few years. Like sort of a little mini review thing uh that that might pop up in the near future uh, uh short dragon guard retrospective no no that's that's already played out but no i i have i have an idea as to what it'll be uh it's just a matter of finding the right first entry and seeing if the insanity would actually work because it's a particularly mm. loony idea i'll tell you about it off stream okay cool. beautiful yeah but uh Thank you all for for tuning it in, tuning in and witnessing my cancellation uh, live. <laughs> uh, and y'all take care of yourself, stay safe, be excellent to each other, and don't just stop licking my ear. And I will uh, catch you all. We'll catch you all next time. And tell. Bye. <laughs> Fuck CGI faces. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Jojo, stop licking my ear. A classic. Yeah. Uh, yes, perfect.